In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Welcome to the 3rd of July. It's Independence Day. I'm going to work. You guys working on Independence Day? I guess that means you're trying to make some money to be independent, huh? I guess that's what that means. What an interesting time. What a amazing time it is right now this independence day is different than any other independence day except for maybe the independence day in 1776 you know i was thinking about it today first off let me just start off with this classic right here i think you're gonna like this i was talking to my beautiful wife if you're lucky enough to be married to someone that you love or if you're lucky enough to be in a relationship with someone you love don't ever take that for granted you know, it, it's, it's like you went from being independent to having a dependent to becoming a partnership where you're both independent from everybody else. Does that make sense? Like you're a team now. And let me tell you about part of the team I'm in. My lovely wife, she's home. She's not working today. Well, she's got my daughter and let me tell you, she's definitely working there. That's another thing too. Why do we say people that stay at home like stay at home moms don't work like they probably have the toughest job have you ever stayed home with your kid or two kids or your three kids that's like that's a lot of work it's a lot okay let me get back to the story though so i told my wife sometimes i i kind of zone out and i was kind of zoning out at the table it was like five in the morning and my wife came downstairs i had I was making breakfast and I was getting her some coffee and I said, Gorgeous, how'd you sleep? She goes, I slept pretty good. And I said, Gorgeous, I'm going to change the world. You know, I've been doing all this work with this podcast and I've been making these videos and, you know, I just, 
I want to say I love you and I just want to let you know that I'm going to change the world. And she kind of gave me one of these, like the, you know that sigh you get sometimes when someone, when you're telling somebody something, they kind of give you that, and you're not sure if that's like a, you're not sure what that is. You're like, what is that? Is that a disbelief I hear? Or is that like, I'm tired? What is that? And so I pushed her on it. And I was like, what, what, what's that gorgeous? What do you mean with the sigh? And she said, oh, nothing. No, no. I said, come on. Listen, I love you. Got to be honest with you. I'm going to change the world. Just tell me what it is. And she's like, give me another one. Like, all right, you know what? You, you're going to change the world, George. You want to change the world? When is the last time you changed the sheets? You know what? Maybe, maybe a good place to start is the sheets. And when you're done changing the sheets, why don't you shim on over to the washer and dryer and change the laundry over? Dude, what a comedian, right? And so all of a sudden, like, she gets on a roll. She's like, you know, I can see the wheels turning, like a little smirk on her face. She's like, remember last week we went to Whole Foods and there was that old guy that had a flat tire and you changed that guy's tire? It took you 30 minutes to change that guy's tire. My dad could change a tire in five minutes. She just got on this roll. And I, uh, it, it was super funny and super refreshing at the same time. Like I had to put my ego in check. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should start by changing the sheets. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to share that with you because on this Independence Day, you know, I, <laughs> that's how mine kind of started off there in it. Just made me realize how awesome my wife is and how awesome my relationship is for her to be able to talk to me and me to talk to her and and whatnot. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how it started there. And then I started thinking a little bit more about Independence Day and all this craziness that's going on right now. Kids not going back to school. Like, what do you guys think is going to happen with education? is changing forever and if you look at the people in your neighborhood there's some kids that they're not even learning anything right now that would be based on the school curriculum I know what you're thinking some of you are like yeah we don't even need to learn that stuff history is a set of lies that's agreed upon or as Ziggy Marley would say that's his story not my story in some ways I In some ways, it's almost poetic that on Independence Day, we're beginning a new history, a new independence. You know, if you look at when we broke away, right, 1776, breaking away from England, like all these kings and queens that thought they we're breaking out of this old form of government that was like divine rule as if these people had some sort of lineage to a higher power that gave them the right to rule over regular people. If you think about that, like we look back on that now and laugh like it's some sort of antiquated style. Like, <laughs> look at these dummies. They thought a king could rule them. But ask, but ask yourself this, how is that any different than today? Like, look at, look at Bezos, almost a trillionaire. Look at Ellison with a yacht the size of an aircraft carrier. 
that those guys are making the rules. Right? Isn't that the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. We are ruled today by oligarchs. We are ruled today by lobbyists, multinational corporations. But it's changing. It's changing. And it's up to us right now to be conscious of that change and then create that change. Because if we don't create the change ourselves, then the same people that are making the rules now are going to create the change for us. We talk a lot about how history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And we, there's a, as as chaotic as it is, as chaotic as it is, we have an opportunity in front of us to, to make things be the way we want them to be. Let's talk about money for a little bit. I know it's incredibly boring and ridiculous and you can definitely make the, the, uh, case that money is the root of all evil. My, my wife's dad had a great quote that said, you know, money doesn't make you better in any way, but it does make life easier, right? If you have a, if you have enough money, you're pretty comfortable. If you have enough money to go get your tooth fixed when you got a cavity or a root canal or, right, then your life's going to be better than if you didn't have that money. (laughs) However, the idea of money is one of the very foundations on which this building of corruption has been built a lot of people I watch some um, I watch some podcasts sometimes like there's this kid Anthony Pompolino really smart kid him and his girl are doing this show called Lunch Money if you get a chance you check it out it's on YouTube really smart however and they're talking a lot about cryptocurrencies and, and speculating on what's going to happen to the dollar. And I tend to agree with a lot of his stuff. However, as much as I want to agree with it and think about it, ultimately all this guy's doing is selling an idea that's going to further undermine our society. You know what I mean by that? Like, anytime the way you make money is by taking money and changing it into something that is abstract and then mining money out of it. Like, let's say that I give, let's say that you take your, whatever, your Bitcoin or your dollar bills and then you loan them to somebody else and you make your 8% or your 7%. You're a piece of shit. Dude, stop fucking gouging people. Stop charging people to use your fucking money. That's the problem. That, like, that's the problem with money is that people use money just to make money. There's no end goal there. If your goal in life is just to fucking make money, you should take the Bill Gates vaccine right now. 
we should we should have like a questionnaire where like we line people up. And we're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, you you sell financial instruments? Okay, here's a here's a new vaccine for you because it's a fucking disease. That's what that is. People who sell financial instruments have a disease called greed. People who sell insurance have a fucking disease called greed and selfishness. You're you're screwing the very people you claim to protect. It's a huge problem. It's a big problem. So there has to I, I think I think I think bringing a full circle back to the kids and education today, there's got to be a foundation in education with like philosophy and, you know, a return to somewhat of classical thinking about what is beautiful in life. Because you know what's not beautiful in life? It's chachi, right? We talked about chachi and chachi is what you get when all you think about is money. Like your end goal should be to build something. Your end goal should be able to run the race as fast as you can and then hand the baton off to your team next. And by team, I mean everybody in your community. Not just the team wearing the the yellow shirt with the black stripe on it. You know what I mean? Like... We're all, we're all here. We're all here. And if you're going to burn your neighbor for a nickel, if you're going to burn your neighbor, if you're going to burn the guy that lives in the state next to you because, dude, he thinks different than you, then you're part of the problem. I get it. We're not all going to, we're not going to all agree on the right things to do. We're not going to all agree on where to best put everything. But there are some things we can't agree on, right? Like, how about this? How about... How about... The form of government, like... You know, it doesn't... Let me, let me just throw this out here, too. I don't care if you have a blue tie or a red tie. It doesn't matter. If, if you are a politician and you're claiming Republican and claiming Democrat... The two-party system is the problem. Imagine this. Like, let's say that I go to a doctor. <clears throat> let's say I go to a doctor and uh, I go in there and they're like, hey, Mr. Monty, what's going on? And I sit down with the doctor and he's talking to me and he goes, okay, I'm going to run some tests on you. I said, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like uh, death warmed over, man. I, I feel like there's a big problem. So he runs these tests and then he comes back to me and he goes, well, Mr. Monty, I want you to sit down for a minute. So I sit down. And he's like, the whole right side of your body's fucked up. The whole right side, man. I go, what? What what do you mean? He goes, the entire right side of your body is riddled with fucking this disease in your blood. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I don't, the fucking, just the right side? He goes, yeah, just the right side, man. I go, but how is that possible? Because I thought the blood goes like in your heart one way, comes out the other way, and it gets pumped and cleaned. And you know, it shouldn't if if I if the disease is in my blood, 
shouldn't it be throughout my body? The doctor's like, listen, dummy, are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? And I'm like, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying I've read all the literature and it seems like that's how the body works. And he goes, no, you're not a doctor. All right, I'm a medical, I'm an expert, damn it. And I'm telling you, the right side of your body has to be cut off. And I'm like, all right, well, take it easy, man. Take it easy. I'm going to get a second opinion. So then I leave there. And the next day I go to another doctor in a different building. I walk in there and I tell the doctor, hey, you know, I'm here for a second opinion. I got a, I got a diagnosis from a doctor that said I have a, a blood disease. You know, you don't want to give him too much information if you want your second opinion. And he goes, okay, no problem, Mr. Monty. I would love to help you out. So let's run some tests. And I'm, he's running his tests and he says, do you mind, Mr. Monty, if I ask you uh, what the uh, other doctor said? He's like, I have the test. Everything's done. I just want to know what that guy said before I tell you. I go, sure. You know, I was, and I'll be honest. I was a little skeptical because this other doctor, you know what he told me? He said the whole right side of my body was fucked up and I'm going to, you got to cut it off. He said the my entire right side of my body is fucked up. And the new doctor starts laughing and he goes, was that over there at uh, 2907 Young Street? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly where it was. And he's, the new doctor's like, yeah, those fucking guys, man. You know what? Every fucking doctor in that building, there's a problem with them. And I'm like, really? Because I thought it, like I thought that was weird for a doctor to tell me that the right side of my body was fucked up. And he goes, yeah, that's the dumbest thing in the world, right? I go, yeah, I was trying to tell him how the fucking, you know, the blood goes all the way through your body. And me and the doctor started laughing. He's like, those guys over there, they don't get it, man. You know, they, they. And I'm like, well, good. I thought I was losing my mind. I'm glad to hear it's that doctor. Well, can you give me your opinion? He goes, yeah, I'll give you my opinion. <sighs> the whole left side of your body's fucked up. I got to cut it off. I'm like, wait, 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 what? What are you talking about? He goes, the left side of your body has the rare blood disease that the other doctor was talking about. And then I said, listen, man, I just told you, we were just talking about how dumb that is for there to be only one side of the body. He goes, no, no, no. We were talking about how dumb it is for the right side of your body. And I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't, it, wouldn't that argument also be the same for your left side of your body? Like, you can't cut off fucking one side of your goddamn body, right? You can't cut that off. And he's like, listen, are you a doctor? And I'm like, no, I'm not a doctor, but I read the literature. You get it? <laughs> like, whether you're on the right or whether you're on the left, you're part of the same body. Right? It's like that story. There's another story about, like, the... Speaking of bodies, okay, the story goes like this. So the hands, the hands and the feet and the mouth and the legs, they start talking to each other and they're like, hey, man, we're doing all the goddamn work and the stomach just eats the food, man. We're going to go on strike. And the hands go, yeah, we're not going to pick any food. We're not going to get any. We're not going to use our hands to pick any food. And the legs and feet are like, yeah, we're not going to walk or run anywhere to get any food. You know, we're going to show this lazy stomach what's going on. And the mouth's like, yeah, man, I'm not going to chew any food. We're not going to swallow anything. We'll show this lazy stomach what's going on. And so they all go on strike. And then all of a sudden, a day goes by, a couple days go by. And they start getting really, really weak. And all of a sudden, the body starts dying. And then, pow, it hits them. Oh, I see what the stomach does. It takes all the food. And even though it just sits there, 
it distributes the nutrients to us. It's part of us. You get it? Like, we're all connected. We're all connected. Red, blue, black, white, red, yellow. Like, we are all, we're, we're all the same, man. We're all, we may think different and act different, and none of us were given the same opportunities. But none of us can move forward unless all of us move forward. And I think that there's been a deliberate move from people on the very top. I think it's coming from, from the banking institutions. I think it's coming from the people in corporate boardrooms. I think it's coming from the people at the top and they're dividing the very people on the bottom and they're trying to utilize the age-old co- tricks of divide and conquer. Hey, let's split people by race. Let's split people by ideologies. Because what happens if, if the guys, on, guys and women on the bottom realize that when you pull back the goddamn curtain, the Wizard of Oz is just some short little money changer. You know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? Like, we're being duped. We're being duped. How come we can rebuild schools in Afghanistan five times, but people in Michigan can't have clean drinking water, right? How come we can bail out the corporations to the tune of $3 trillion? However, when people ask for health care, they're like, how are we going to pay for that? How can we possibly pay for health care? How can we possibly pay off these kids' student loans, man? Where's that money going to come from? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the same spot that the fucking bailouts come from. Maybe it can come from the exact same spot where all the corporate bonuses went from in 08. Right? Where's that magic spot from? I was listening to uh, John Stewart the other day. And uh, he was talking about, I think that that guy's brother is pretty big in finance. And uh, he was telling a story about 08. And he said that in this story, he was interviewing a Wall Street executive or maybe, maybe it was even the Treasury Secretary. And he had asked the Treasury Secretary, like, you know, he's like, I don't get it. You know, there's all these bad loans. There's all these bad derivatives. Why don't we just make those bad loans and derivatives good? Like, why don't we just help out the people who are underwater? Like, why don't we just... You know, make sure that everybody who got whose whose house is underwater, let's check, let's just go in and fix it. Okay, your your house is two hundred fifty thousand. You're underwater fifty. Just put fifty on that loan. Let's just drop everybody's price down to where it is, and then those loans will be good. And the uh, the secretary said, "Well, you can't do that." And he goes, "Why not?" He goes, "Well, that's moral hazard." See, and this is what blows my mind. I think everybody here knows moral hazard is incentivizing bad behavior, right? So like you can't, according to this guy, if you would help people or if you would make their loans whole or go in and change them, then that would be incentivizing people's bad behavior. However, and he's like, you can't do that. But what they did 
they have no problem for moral hazard when it's on their side, right? Like if you have a, if you're, if you're Bank of America, you're AIG, you can create, or Goldman Sachs, you can create all these horrible derivatives that make sure only you win, right? That only you win. And then you could put working people's pensions in there and you just package this thing so it's a big pile of dog shit and then sell it. And then when that thing goes bad, the American people bail you out. Like you win either way. You privatize all the profits and you socialize all the losses. Is that not the very definition of moral hazard? Of course it is. Of course it is. However, here's the kicker. It's not moral hazard when they do it. It's only moral hazard when like a working person does it. Like figure that out. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes me think UPS drivers should run the world, right? Think about it. UPS drivers should rule the world, right? You, I know that sounds a little crazy, but first off, UPS drivers are pretty honest people. UPS drivers know everything about the community they work in. Everybody trusts their UPS driver. UPS drivers are like, they're like the white blood cells of a community, right? They're constantly driving through a certain part of the body of the neighborhood and making sure there's no trouble. Okay, maybe we shouldn't rule the world. However, maybe there should be a test for anybody that wants to be in government. And maybe that test should be like, hey, show me your hands. You know what I mean by that? There's an old saying that says, never trust a man with soft hands. And I got to tell you, some of those old sayings are not only relevant today, but they've been around for a long time and they've been around for a long time for a reason. Right, the guy selling financial instruments... That's the same guy who's got like a, he shakes hands like he's Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds, right? That guy's got no calluses on his hand. That's the guy whose daughter asks her dad, hey, dad, can I have a pony? And he's like, sure. The working man's daughter is like, dad, can I have a pony? And you're like, if by pony, you mean pony boy from the outsiders then yeah you can have one of those but be careful that guy's one of us there's a better way and on independence day I think it's time to think about how we got here I think it's time to think about what you can do not only as an individual not only as an independent leader of your family but what can you do for your community, right? That's, that's where the real change is because you might not be able to affect politics on a, on, a, on a large scale, but you can damn well affect the people in your neighborhood. You can damn well affect the people on your route. You can damn well affect a lot of people. You know, maybe instead of affect them, you can infect them. 
You can infect them with good ideas. You can infect them with questions about why things are the way they are. I think there should be some sort of national mentor program. Like what we should we should match up like men with boys that maybe their parents were handicapped and you know maybe maybe a young man has a dad who's in finance, you know, and he's just you know what I mean by that? Like he's kind of a fat, he's kind of a he's kind of a punk. You know what I mean by that? So let's say we have a guy that his dad sells, I don't know, insurance or his dad sells like some sort of derivatives or his dad is a banker. Then like men, people with calluses on their hand, people that know what a hard day of work is, like that guy should be teamed up. He should have to go on road. Like the little boy should have to go on road with like a UPS driver so he can understand what work is. Because I think if... If people at a young age understood what people have to go through to get where they are, then they would be less likely to burn the people that are not quite at their level. Does that make sense? You know, in life, you, 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 not everyone starts at the same spot. Not everyone ends up at the same spot. Some people, maybe your, maybe your first, you know, we're all immigrants here. If, if maybe your first generation, you know, you starting off at a lower tier. You know, maybe if you've been here a long time, you're way at the top. And the guy at the top should be turning around and trying to pull the guy behind him up. And that guy should be turning around trying to pull him up. Everybody should be trying to pull the guy behind him up. Right? It's the old adage of we are only as strong as our weakest link. And that takes us back to the money system. See, the money system changes our values. A lot of the times, we use those words synonymously, like money and value. You know, like a lot of a lot of us know the price of things, but we don't truly understand the cost. You know what I mean by that? Like if you, if you pay a certain amount for something, what's the cost of it? I think that's kind of, this might be a little abstract, but that's why we don't label food, all the, all the stuff that's in there, right? Like here you can buy this can of corn for 80 cents, but they don't want to tell you on the back of that label, hey, this has been used with you know, this new chemical S427 and, you know, it's had these pesticides on there. And when you buy this can of corn for 80 cents, 79 cents goes to the CEO of the company. And then one cent goes to the farmer who killed himself. His family gets the penny. See that that's the, the nature of money is corrosive. And I think with the blockchain technology coming in, you know, we have an opportunity to change the money and the value system. 
However, I'm a little skeptical in that. I don't, I've been watching the, I've been watching the crypto market for a long time and I, I just, it seems to me the way they want to bring in the crypto system is to make it corrosive. It's like there's this contingent of people that only want to use money to make money. Like they don't want to build anything. They don't want to create anything. They want to create an abstract idea where they mine more money out of their money. Like that's a problem. You're not doing anything. You're the only thing you're really doing is irreversibly undermining the credibility of yourself as a leader and even more so as a human being. It makes me upset when I see like young, intelligent people going into finance and they've, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> I, can, I can see the attraction. Don't get me wrong. I get it. Who doesn't want to have their own, who doesn't want to own their own house? But you want to own your own fucking aircraft carrier? Get the fuck out of here. Why? Like, what are you going to do with that? <clears throat> Wouldn't it be better to, to be, I don't know, I think it's better to be loved than feared. Which brings me to that movie, A Bronx Tale. Remember that movie? Where like the young Italian kid is in, he's in New York and his dad is a bus driver. And the kid gets, gets kind of seduced to the mob a little bit. And there's this cat named Sonny. It's like the local mob boss. And the young kid is impressionable. He's like 16. And he's like, he looks up to his dad. But he also sees like his, you know, they're, they're struggling. Dad gets up and goes to work every day. Gone like 12 hours. And then he sees the mob boss. And that guy's <clears throat> hanging out in the restaurant eating spaghetti. Got a bunch of hookers around him. Big wads of money. And so the kid kind of takes up a mentorship with the mob boss, you know, and that the mob boss is kind of explaining how the world works to him, you know, but there's this scene where the dad, Robert De Niro plays the bus driver, like the kid starts getting in all this trouble and the dad, dude, he comes down, the kid goes to jail and the dad goes down there and gets him and just smacks him right in the face. He's like, what are you doing? You have any idea how fucking hard I've worked to get us here and you want to do that? I didn't get us to this country so you can come here and be a goddamn criminal. Your fucking grandparents, your great-grandparents, they worked their asses off in a fucking way that is respectable. They got up and they went to work every day. And that's who the real hero is. You know who the real hero is? The guy that gets up and goes to work every day. The guy with the calluses on his hand. The guy that builds shit. The guy that cares about his family. The guy that's not willing to sell out the very people he loves, the community that he loves, the, the people around him for a price tag. That's the real hero. <clears throat> there's too many, there's too many of these finance guys. There's too many people on the top that just move money around and get paid to do it. And there's too many of us on the bottom that are being divided by that. <clears throat> it's all around us. It's all around us. Like, look at what kind of garbage is on TV. I have one TV in my house. I don't even have cable. And 
that's for like watching movies or whatever. <clears throat> but I hear people talking about like the housewives of Beverly Hills. You, you watch that. Oh my God. Talk about a cancer on society. Every time like I, somebody I love tells me about that show. You know what I tell them? I go, Hey, you know what? Remember that one episode where like that guy was like beating his wife and then he killed himself. Like that's, Hey, welcome to Beverly Hills. Is that what you want? Look how much money I have. Oh, yeah? You know what? You have so much money. It's, it's amazing. I like that right cross you just threw with your wife. Oh, you're going to put the gun in your mouth? Nice move, pal. Like, that's what's being pumped out of the airwaves all day long. What about the music people listen to? All it does is just... It just... Look, I get it. I like some of the music. I like to get pumped up, too. But, like... You know, the, it's, it's disturbing. Just talks about corruption and crime and violence and anger. Like, I get it. Like, some people need to use music to express themselves. But what happened to making things that are beautiful? You know, what happened to the TV show where, like, remember, remember the Brady Bunch? When, like, Bob, like, Cindy has, like, a lisp. For those of you that don't know the Brady Bunch, it was, like, this old show back when I was a kid. And it was like, it was a pretty big family, right? There was three boys, three girls. And the youngest girl's name was Cindy. And Cindy goes to school and she's got a lisp. Wasn't Cindy cute? Come on, man. Remember how cute Cindy was? She was like America's little sister. And so Cindy goes to school and like there's this boy that's making fun of her. That's like, lisp, you talk with a lisp. And you just make fun of her every day. She starts crying. And then she comes home from school. She's crying. And the dad's like, Cindy, what's wrong? This boy at school is making fun of me. He's like, really? Which boy? And it turns out that it was a boy in her brother's class, this kid Bobby. And so the dad goes, hey, Bobby, come here. There's a kid in your class making fun of your sister. So when you go to school tomorrow, you tell that boy to stop. And so the next day they go to school and the kid makes fun of Cindy again. He's like, baby talk, baby talk, ha-ha. And so Bobby walks up and he's like, hey, don't talk to my sister like that. It's wrong. And that boy starts making fun of Bobby. He's like, you're a big baby and your sister talks like a baby. And so then they come home and they talk to their dad. And they tell him, dad, he's still making fun of Cindy. Dad, now he's making fun of me. And you know what their dad told him? You know what their dad told him? He says, all right, Bobby, come here. And he gets Bobby's older brother and he goes, you can learn how to fight today. And so they go out and for like a week, he just trains them. He just trains them. Jab, jab, right hook, jab, jab, right hook. Right? And so Bobby goes to school that whole week and is like, listen, man, I'm going to give you four days. Right? And in four days, if you don't stop, there's going to be consequences for you. And the little bully just kind of laughs. Ha, ha, ha. What baby talk, baby talk. So the fourth day comes and Bobby goes to school and that kid's waiting at the same spot. And he looks at Cindy and he's like, baby talk. Bobby rolls up, pushes him. He's like, knock it off. Don't talk to my sister that way. And he's like, aha, you're a baby. And then Bobby just throws a right hook and KOs this clown. Right? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Why is that not on TV? He got a problem with bullies? Let's teach our kids how to beat their asses. We should do a TV show where, like, working people 
just beat up all the finance people. You know, speaking of change, like what would happen if we just, if everybody decided, you know what, I'm not fucking paying my mortgage this month. And you know what? Fuck you, I'm not going to pay it next month either. Matter of fact, I think the government should be pending, sending me a goddamn check. How about the government pays my mortgage every fucking month? Right? Why are, why are we not holding those knuckleheads responsible for the financial triage that they're doing to our country, irreversibly undermining the very foundation on which we are trying to build our families, trying to build our own lives. Right, these guys, they take money, all our government officials, and red, blue, it doesn't matter, they take our taxes, they take, they take money from poor people in rich countries and give it to rich people in poor countries. Like, that's our money. That money should go into our neighborhoods. Don't send that overseas. Remember that, remember that plane Obama sent to Iran with like a, Jesus Christ, just fucking pallets of money. Like, where did that money come from? Right? Where did the trillions of dollars in bailouts come from? There's more than enough money. There's more than enough money to fix all the infrastructure in the U.S., There's more than enough money to wipe out the kids' student loans. There's more than enough money to let everyone have a wage where they don't have to work 80 hours a week and have to choose between having having to send their kid to school and having to go to the dentist. I read a pretty good book. It's by Thomas Piketty. And it's called... It's called capital and it talks about the history of capital it talks about all forms of capital human capital you know investing capital and he makes the claim that it's a this book is a tome it's like a thousand pages and it's very interesting it's very detailed it's got a lot of graphs and i know not everybody has a lot of time to read that kind of stuff but i'll tell you what this guy says He talks about the history of finance all the way back in the times of like Jerusalem. And capital's normal state is this. Two class system. People that are really, really wealthy and people that have absolutely nothing. And you need not look too far around the world to see that particular monetary system in place. Right, think about different think of I'm not even gonna name any names. You guys know them. Think of whatever place you want. That system is in place in a lot of places. He goes on to talk about the reason we in the United States and the West have particularly the US, why we have such a robust middle class is because during the Great War the World War One and World War Two the entirety of industry was shuttered around the world. And thus the need for products and services came solely from the U.S., which created an incredible working class. That was also the time that unions were made in America, right? And I know people, some people don't like unions. I get it. I get it. Like, 
But to the people that don't like unions, I tell you, you don't like the Constitution, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the second line that says, the first one is we the people, and the second one is to create a more perfect union. It's in our founding documents. People don't like to talk about that. No, 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 they don't like to talk about in order to create a more perfect union. So Piketty goes on to talk about that was a blip. This time of a vibrant middle class is an anomaly. It's a blip on the world of finance in historical terms, and it's going away. That book was written, I think, probably eight years ago, 10 years ago. And I, you know, I felt like I was reading Notre Dame or something in that a lot of his prophecies seem to come true. Because that is what's happening. Look at the widening gap. It's ever widening. It's been widening. And the people that are making the most money are the people selling the biggest abstractions. People making just a ridiculous amount of money are selling ideas that don't even pan out. They're selling hope by marketing lies. Is this rant too, is getting a little too down on you guys on Independence Day? I don't mean to be, but I think we're in trouble a little bit. I just want to throw this one out there. To all the young men out there listening to this, you don't need money to be a man. You don't need to have a giant fucking yacht. You don't need to have a goddamn plane. If that's what you need to be important, you probably have a fucking tiny dick. You know what? You know what people should tell? Listen, here you go. To the young men out there, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm 45. To, all, to the majority, I know some millionaires. I know some self-made millionaires. I know a lot of really wealthy people. And you know what? The majority of those people, they've been divorced two or three times. The majority of those people, they have kids like that are completely disrespectful. Like the, all our families have issues. All of our families have issues. I get it. But it seems to me that the people that have, that have decided to give their life to a world of financial windfalls and financial goals... They should, be, they should be looked at in a way of what not to do. <clears throat> you know, they're, they're short-sighted and narrow view of success only in monetary gains. It goes against everything that the human spirit is about. And it, it can't The future lies with the young men and women coming up. Know that. Know that if you're, if you're a young man or a young woman, there's way more to life than money. Way more to life than money. 
and you should steer clear of people who only talk about money. If you're a if you <clears throat> if you're a young woman and you it, it young woman or young man, it's so easy to be seduced, to be lured into this world of luxury. But that's not where the good stuff's at, man. The good stuff is coming home and having your kid run to you and be like, Daddy's home! Mommy's home! Right? The good stuff is making a meal together. The good stuff is, you know, going on a vacation where your whole family goes. You know, you... you. It's not something you do all the time because you had to earn it. You had to earn it. There's something about having to earn something, right? We all know that. Anybody who's had parents that made you earn something. Yeah, I'm thankful for mine. Hey, save your money. You got to earn this. Right? The same people that don't earn stuff are the same people that become CEOs and board of directors. It, it, that's probably not fair. That's probably not fair. It just seems to me that later in life, you have to make a choice between being married to a world of luxury. Like if you want to succeed at the highest levels, you can't, you cannot spend your time being as good a father as you should be. I think that's fair to say. I don't think all people in the boardrooms and CEOs are bad. That's, that's not fair. That's not true. However, if you want to make it to the very top, then because the level of competition is so difficult, you do not have any extra time to spend with your family and your family is going to suffer. That, I think, is a very fair statement. And if you want to be the best at something, then you have to focus on being the best and only care about being the best there. And as a single person, maybe that should be part of your focus is to become the best at something. However, priorities change and people change. And if you have a family, then you should not put anything ahead of your family. It's hard. Everybody's in a different spot. And I know that easy, easy answers are not the right answers. However, in my opinion, I think that the right value system should be to put your family ahead of everybody else. So, it gets monotonous. I know, it reminds me of that old limerick, like, there once was a man who said, damn, for it certainly seems that I am a being that moves in determinate grooves. I'm not even a bus, I'm a tram. (laughs) You know what I mean by that? I've been thinking a lot about family and how important they are and what role they play in your life. And, you know, that means too, if you're a father or you're a cousin or if you're a mother or if you're, if you're, if you have somebody that looks up to you, then whether you're there around them or whether you're not there around them, you're influencing the way they think. Right? If you're if you're gone, you know, ten hours a day, and you come home and you fight with your wife or you 
got to go on a business trip somewhere and you see your kid every now and then. Like, what are you teaching that kid? Is the amount of money you're making worth what you're teaching that kid? Let me help you out. No, it's not. It's not. And our society reflects that right now. That's why we have all this chaos. It's the values. And values are something that are not, there's no color in values. There's no gender in values. Values are values and there's good values and there's not so good values. I hope you guys have a great 4th of July. I love you guys. Remember to celebrate your independence and celebrate your family. Thank you for listening to this. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that... I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.